Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So I'm just back from a little donner down the beach and I'm back in the hot and sweaty bedroom that is the makeshift podcast studio. I'm just off the phone with my latest guest, Darren Hill, who is the CEO of Shop Fitters as opposed to Shop Lifters, Thompson's Limited. Thompson's, if you haven't heard of them, create spaces for brands such as Wagamama, Gymkhana, D&D, Tonkotsu, and Darren in the past even had the pleasure of working with the Sultan of Brunei. I felt this would be a great episode as it's an often overlooked area for marketers, brand teams, CEOs, and senior leaders to get involved early with architects' plans for their brand venues and also the shop fitters when that last 15% is happening. Attention to detail is everything in this, and Darren's passion for the industry is more than evident through the podcast. So it gives me the most shop fitter, not shop lifter pleasure ever to introduce (laughs) my next guest, who's sweltering away in a conservatory with a man that's threatening him with a grinding uh, saw. It is Darren Hill from Thompson's, and he is the CEO. Great to speak to you today, Darren. How's it going? Yeah, and you, Mark. No, it's, it's fantastic. And, and it's very apt you use the word not shoplifter there. Uh, I, I, I used to be um, uh, managing director of a business called Cathedral Contracts, and uh, we had a great website, but, but in it we described ourselves as... Uh, the, the UK's leading shoplifters. So uh, that that's, that spell check got didn't get didn't get picked up for about three years. So uh, I blame myself for that. <laughs> Surprised you never get more traffic to your site. You know, <laughs> it was it created quite. It was it was a great icebreaker with a lot of a lot of new clients. And uh, you know, I'm after a shoplifter. I mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? And, and I'll just point out this guy with the grinder. He's not here to attack me or anything like that. He's just. <laughs> Literally doing a bit of DIY in his garden. So um, if he if he if he comes through, I'll try and shut the doors and roast a little bit more in the conservatory. <laughs> so tell us a bit about you and 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 Thompsons and, and what it is that you're actually doing. So you know how did you get to you know becoming the CEO of Thompsons? And then be good to go into a bit more detail and, and what it does and what it can do for uh, you know hospitality clients and leisure clients. Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, it goes back. It, it does go a long way back. Unfortunately, I'm the I'm the wrong side of fifty. Uh, still, still very uh, very passionate about what I do. But I, I'm a shop fitter, and I, and I think going back to my early days uh, of when I first started, I started in the um, in the joinery manufacture workshops. So I was building bespoke pieces of furniture for for. For, for shops, hotels, restaurants, bars, offices, etc., and uh, I, I loved um, the, the the trade. And I loved creating those those things, looking at a drawing, and then building something that that actually turned into the architect's or designer's vision, and and created something from from scratch into something that people would really really enjoy uh, as a as a as a piece of furniture or a piece of or an interior or whatever. So started off my career there. I was actually a really, really bad joiner, um, uh, Mark. I, I was, you know, I looked across the the workshop at other people who were so skilled with their marples, chisels and things like that. And I, I really couldn't join my hands together. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't that good uh, as a, as a joiner, but I, I wasn't a quitter and uh, I, I went through the whole apprenticeship. I enjoyed it, uh, but I had this craving to, and this drive to get into, um, you know, get into management. There's the DPD guy now. Uh, just arrived, yeah. And, and, to, 
and and the ball the French Bulldogs just gone to the door as well, so we might have some interesting background. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I had this drive and this passion to get out of the workshop environment and and get into the the drawing side of things and the designing side of things, which which I really really did enjoy. Um, and then gradually, uh, and there's the grinder man. Gradually, we worked. Uh, we we went through into management, uh, management of projects, and I got involved in some some fantastic interior work. I did some work on the uh, Sultan of Brunei's palace in Brunei, uh, which mm. was which was a uh, a real uh, real opulence of wealth and quality and producing finishes that that, that are very rarely seen by 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 many people. Um, and I love that. I love being on site over there in Brunei with the, the Thai craftsmen carving out the cornices and things like that. It was just an amazing experience. Well, that come about then? Well, it, it, so I, I used to work for a company called Wiltshire Interiors. That's that's where I um, uh, started my career, and they were uh, probably the first international interiors contractor. So so they did a lot of work in Saudi Arabia, um, but they also had a good network with 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 a lot of international architects who were designing some great stuff, and and we ended up as I say working on the Sultan's um, Sultan's palace, and it was the palace for his second wife, um, and oh. in his culture they they each wife had to have the same amount. So once we finished the new palace, we had then had to refurbish the old palace as well, and oh, I, I can remember again and again and again. That's it. It was just a, a, you know, it was a great, a great piece of work. And um, I, I just got married, and um, I remember that the, 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 my boss at the time saying, "Do you fancy going over to Brunei for a couple of weeks?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "I've just got married, but but yeah, I'm sure, a couple of weeks will be fine." So uh, my wife reluctantly said, "Yeah, no, off you can go." Um, yeah. And while I was out there, and I was doing some, I was doing the music room for the Sultan at the time. And uh, while I was out there, the uh, unfortunately the Sultan's father died, which okay. which meant uh, within their religion that nobody was allowed in the pa- palace for uh, for forty days uh, as a, as a period of mourning, uh, and it was too expensive for the company to fly me back. So so I ended up <laughs> spending forty days in Brunei. Um, you know, enjoying the uh, enjoying the landscape. Did a bit of jogging, bit of uh, bit of sightseeing, and uh, really was a great great place to be. Um, my, my wife wasn't too happy with it, but uh, we we got home eventually, and uh, everybody was happy. So so that's how that came about with the Sultan, and then then obviously he, he invested in some properties in the UK, and we did some work on the uh, things the Dorchester Hotel, which he owns, um, and yeah, it was a great grounding, and that creating beautiful spaces that that people could enjoy was was something that i i found as a passion when i was about 27 i then sort of started my own business got the uh, obligatory extension on the mortgage and um, and started a business in 92 um and I, you know really went from there so that that business merged with a company called cathedral uh, cathedral contracts who were a, a well-known shop fitter and we were purchased by ISG in 2007. Um, so I then went into ISG, who are one of the, the, the billion pound turnover businesses within the industry. Um, and I was, I was group managing director at ISG for uh, for about 15 years. So um, uh, and then I, I got got persuaded by a headhunter to, to, to come and look at Thompson's. Uh, and it was a really interesting opportunity that... I was, you know, enjoying my life, uh, enjoying what I was doing, but the craving to get back to a traditional shop fitter was 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 a period of my life that I really really enjoyed. Uh, and I've listened to, uh, you know, a couple of your podcasts, Mark, which are which are excellent, by the way. And uh, you know, the thing that I've got from the, the most interesting ones is is that passion for what they do, mm-hmm. and I just love creating uh you know great interior spaces for, for for clients and and helping architects turn their, their their architects and clients turn their dreams into reality i think it's it's you know the underrated or undervalued bit of it in a lot of cases you know i think you know a lot of potentially head office or whatever you know turns up for the opening i mean they might have done a um lapsed camera shot thing of you you know building things and putting it all together 
But I think a lot of people, you know, just think, you know, a bunch of fairies came along and, and, and made this space the space and, you know, and then, you know, the marketing team get into it and all the rest of it. And, you know, it was certainly my experience, you know, in the brands that I worked for, you know, you weren't sort of that involved in the building process and, you know, and being part of it. But of course, what you're building is, you know, brand and it's brand touch points and you're reinforcing the brand wherever you can. And, you know, it's really, really important, you know, the, the small, big things that you'll be doing, you know, to actually bring this space to life properly and the quality of the fit out and, and all these different things, you know. So I think it's just, you know, for a lot of people and, and any operators listening, you know, get involved in that as much as you can. Get involved with the, the process and the architects and the shop fitters and be curious and because it's then things that you can take away that if, if you want to be brave enough to open your own place eventually, you know, you really need to understand these things, don't you? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously, for a lot of busy chief executives who have got, uh, I don't know, let's say 100 restaurants or whatever, it's, uh, you know, they're probably involved, very, very involved in the in the original brand pack and how that, 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 that space is going to look and going to feel. But you can... By being involved in the process and coming on the, the journey of building that product, you can ensure that your culture and your spirit is is truly embedded. Whenever I meet a new client, Mark, my, my, the first thing I do is I, I do go onto their their corporate website and I, I before I before I meet them, before I talk to them, and, and I'm looking at their business plans. I'm looking at what their vision and values are. I'm looking at what their key um, statements are about their, uh, their their culture so that I can, you know, ensure that, that, that we contribute in some way to that with, um, you know, with the theme that we go in. I think, I think you did the, uh, the podcast with Oaxaca and uh, uh, Mark Selby, which I thought was great. And, you know, when he was coming out of the, the airport in Mexico and seeing the different colored neon nights and how he's, how he's uh, in the car park and how he's implemented that into his, his business and his brand, um, I, I think is amazing. And, and, you know, for people to transfer a business document to a physical living space is, is a really, really important process. Um, and yes, the quality of the food's got to be right. The service has got to be impeccable, et cetera. But the theater and the experience of what you are trying to create needs to come through in the, the physical products that you deliver. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a couple of examples where, it, you know, it is what's commented on, and, and it is, is down to things even like, you know, the, the hand wash you've got in the toilet. So, you know, it should be following all the way through. But one of the, there's a couple of things spring to mind. One is in Brighton Hove, you know, where, where I am, um, there's one particular brand, and from the outside, it looks absolutely stunning, and it charges a fair price and all the rest of it. But see when you go in and you actually see the quality of the build, you know, it just cheapens the whole thing like you wouldn't believe, you know. So if you knock the tables, they almost feel like, you know, um hollow and you see the walls like the the I don't know what you even call it, the you know, the brick the fakes at a brick face. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a bit of bit yeah, of fiberglass or something, yeah. Yeah, just not done very well. And the other one I remember, and this is where I really appreciated, um, you know, shop fitters and builders and, and all the rest of it was was on a project for a bar brand um, a couple of years ago, sort of near the Euros sort of time. And um, the, the whole project had went tits, right? It just went so bad. And what happened was the actual shop fitter, builder guy, don't know, just kind of sold it in and then sort of disappeared a bit. So anyway, it just... I had to then to you know appease the client, then be on site every single day, you know, basically project managing it. And you really started to realize how important it was in terms of also communication between the architect and the shop fitters as well. So some examples were um, you know, there was this particular image on the wall, and they'd put like the door uh, you know, fixing like right in the middle of the guy's head. <laughs> you know and it kind of went the other way and yeah. also they were working off old plans so they put a urinal and they completely you know all the urinals were too far down because they were originally meant to be big american things and then the plans changed and but just you know that way every single 
thing you got right, three things went wrong. Yeah, no, it's uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's so difficult, you know. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Hey, it's Sam Brown here from Toggle. You may have already seen some of the work we do in partnership with the likes of Roses Tie, The Alchemist, Yummy Pubs, Coat, and thousands of other locations. Toggle allows you to sell gift cards, experiences, promotions, and even retail products online and in your venues. There's no contract, so you can use it however suits you best. With Black Friday and Christmas approaching at the end of such a tough year, we wanted to make Toggle accessible to everyone risk-free. So the first £1,000 worth of gift card sales is now on us no charge. Just visit usetoggle.com to learn more. That, that interpretation of brand, <clears throat> as I say, and a, a lot of clients, um, you know, they, they are particularly passionate about their space, but they, but sometimes they devolve their, their, their power to, to, to architects, um, uh, which is, you know, some of them, some of them are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but as it becomes more of a cookie cutter, as they accelerate and they move from this, you know, a phenomenal indie brand of, of, of five or 10 restaurants into, you know, something that's a little bit more established into 100 restaurants. The pace at which they're, they're building, sometimes that, that culture does, does, uh, does, does die out. And if they just, you know, if they just turned up at one or two of the site meetings and said, look, you know, they can have so much effect and change and, and get that passion back into the, to the project. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend it. I, I just before lockdown, I, I, I got involved with, um, a company called Bundo Bust. And I'm not sure if you heard oh, of Bundo. Tell you what, right. See if, see if I had money, which I don't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, had, I would put so much money into that company. I think they are absolutely superb and, I could see one in every city. I think I think it's super, just out of this world good, you know. Yeah, I, I, I totally, totally, and utterly agree. And I, I met, I, I went over to Leeds, um, and it was literally pre-lockdown, and we um, we we got an introduction through a friend and through uh, uh, through Jasper at uh, uh, Camden Town Brewery, who we do oh. a lot of work with. And uh, so Jasper puts in touch with um, uh, with the guys at Bundobust. And I, and I went to Leeds and I had a I had a meal in there before I went to try and get the culture. And I, I was just amazed. I mean, craft beer, Indian food that that actually was, um, you know, the majority of it is vegetarian, which they don't really crow on about too much. Um, and then I met, you know, I met the guys that, that were involved in it. And uh, I met um, I met Maya and, and Maya's culture. I think he's probably at about four or five outlets at the time, his culture for his brand and how involved he was in the shop fit um, was, was amazing. You know, he'd, you know, he'd virtually built leads on his own, I think with a, with a local, local joiner. And he said, look, Darren, he said, I, I can, you know, I can, I, I enjoy building these outlets, but we want to build another seven or eight. And, you know, it's going to be too much for me on my own to stamp that culture. So actually getting inside Mayer's brain and, and, and understanding what made him tick, you know, the reused doors, the fact that, you know, I was talking to him about his vegetarian offer and he said, look, we don't, we don't promote that. That's, you know, it's pretty crass. It's a great by, byproduct of what we do, yeah. but it's all about the craft food and the Indian spices. And, and it, it's a phenomenal concept. And I, I really hope that Mayer did okay during that because, um, you know, he, he was just opening a, a big new outlet in Manchester, I think, with his own brewing facilities on site. So so I really hope and pray he's, he's doing okay through this. That's great. I mean, so basically I, I went with Engage, who actually sponsored this podcast. So I was out with Alex one night, we're having a wee meeting about a client, and he says, do you want to go to, I mean, I call it Bundle Bus, but Bundle Bus, I'm not sure. But uh, you, you, you'll be getting it right. But um, we went along, and honestly, it was like five-ish on a Monday, and we were still like struggling to get a table, still had to wait to get a table. Um, and, you know, you just thought the food, I mean, I think we just said, look, what should we do? And the guy says, I'll get two or three pots and, you know, but it was so filling. And I think the um, the, the main courses or whatever, the, or the pots or whatever, they were like four quid each. And like yeah. two, two of those and you're pretty much done with, I always compare like good 
craft beer menus to like you know going to someone's house that's got a great record collection you know you'll go through and it's all you know dizzy gillespie and whatever and, and marvin Gaye and whatever uh you know so you go through it and, and you're just going this is the greatest hits of craft beer and you know the food was and you didn't miss meat i was just blown away by the flavors blown away by the craft beer i, I turned up there i think it was a tuesday it was a raining tuesday in leeds and it's probably about 11 30 just opening and i couldn't get a table it was i had to wait for people to come out it was it was immense and uh, you know i wish them every success and, and a, a lot of our clients are are very in very similar sort of spaces mark in terms of you know that that growing journey and um you know i think if they want to keep their culture you know if they want to grow because some of the some of the people don't want to be the biggest restaurant in the world they want to continue to doing quality but you know if they can keep in touch with the physical environment that's being created um it's you know it's a real 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 lesson and a real rewarding process for them no i'd, I'd recommend anyone getting getting up there as soon as they can um it's the Leeds one that I've been to, but I think I've got Liverpool, Manchester's coming, um, and a few others. But yeah, and I think when you're in the business of generosity, uh, speed, and also just like having that greatest hits beer menu, and and a, you know always good value, like you know you're getting great, you're getting almost five star for three star in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. Um, Anyway, you shouldn't bang on about them too much. But yeah, I need, you need to try and get them on the podcast, actually, the way you're talking about it. Um, never, never thought about getting them on, but we should do. And then yeah. just in terms of Thompson's then, you know, with, with the clients you've got, I mean, it's some roster, right? So you've been working with people like Glen Eagles, obviously close to my heart, you know, JKS, like Bow and all that. Lovely people at Faux, Prezzo, Burger King, D&D, incredible. You know, and the list goes on. Tonkotsu, which is, for me, the best ramen. In, in London, if, if not the UK. So, and, and obviously Nisha at, at Mowgli and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, what have you seen, you know, going through all those? Because you've got exposure to, you know, a good bunch of the the greatest brands in, in food and drink. I, I, absolutely. No, we're, we're, we're blessed. We're blessed with our client base. And, um, uh, you know, I think... I think it's that passion on the journey. We've probably with a with a lot of them, you know, we've you know we talk about Tonkotsu, Kenyamada, and uh, you know, and the team there. We've been with them since the first or second project, and uh, we do a lot of work with Stuart Consultancy, who are uh, sort of like the advisors to a number of these brands. We do a lot of reciprocal work with uh, Mark and Adam Stewart, who, who guide the uh, you know the the entrepreneurs on the journey. Uh, but we've just built a familiarity where uh, we know we know what the brand culture is. You know, we've got uh, a really good understanding. Our guys know what works. Um, the the people are just amazing. Uh, you know, Stephen uh, Stephen Wall at Foe is just a, you know an incredibly nice human being as well as being a, a great restaurateur. And that 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 depth and that that caring and the passion for their business is what we, we try to continue right the way throughout our process and, and throughout how we build their spaces. And we try and give them that familiarity that, you know, if they tell us about their brand once, we, we listen, uh, we interpret it correctly, um, and they don't have to tell us again. We can then, they know that their brand certainty will be replicated in the next project that we, that we deal with. Um, you know, there's a lot about, you know, com- being competitive in that space as well, which I think we are. We're, you know, we are a, a business that uh, we employ our own tradesmen. So we employ our own joiners, we employ our own electricians, um, you know, and that I think for a lot of for a lot of clients is very, very important that we're not just a very thin management layer uh, between a whole host of subcontractors. We've got the control of those individuals. And if... Stephen said to me one day, uh, you know, Darren, I, I don't like the bar. You know, I need to need to change it. Um, but I tell you, I've got a really good example actually, uh, and it was actually Kenyamada at Tonkotsu. We did we did a new 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 store for him uh, in um, uh, in Shoreditch, and we had to we had to hand carve uh, fifteen thousand chopsticks into ceiling features, uh, which was part of what Ken wanted as his brand. Um, but when we got them, the um, the chopsticks were a bit thicker than the, the the apertures that we put into the panel. So, 
you can imagine the guys, uh, you know, the guys on site having to deal with that just before it opened. Uh, but we managed to do it and it and actually looks really, really stunning. But, um, uh, you know, we could do it because we had control of the people that were doing the work and they had a passion to get uh, get Ken's store open for him as quick as possible. <laughs> Have there any sort of real favourites, you know, that ones that are like your you're most proud of out of, out of that set? Uh, I, th- I think, I think it's a bit like, that's a bit like choosing your, choosing from your kids, Mark. And that's what a horrible question that is. <laughs> but, but, but what I would say we're, we're really proud of, and it hasn't really uh, opened yet is we just, just before lockdown, we, we reopened Jim Carner with uh, JKS. Um, so we, we had to restore that to its form, former glory following the fire that they had. And, whilst it's one of our most recent product projects um you know going into that restaurant now um is is just an amazing experience still and we've managed to keep um you know the 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 ambiance that jim carner had um you know the the chefs they're really happy because they've got a brand new kitchen and uh you know great great things to create um but jim carner really stood out and i think it was a great example of our craftsmanship right the way throughout our our ability to adapt and um you know delivering a quality product for for for, for tayo and the guys at uh, at jks so you know really really proud of that and i hope uh, i think that was re- due to reopen 26 july i hope it's hope it's gone well for them and uh, i'll definitely be going in there um uh, with uh, uh for some meetings as soon as um, as soon as things return a little bit back to normal and what's this uh the, the most crazy brief that you've had from a brand, you know, in terms of, you know, a, a specialist fitting or, you know, something you didn't think was possible and sort of turned that round. Was there, is there anything that springs to mind on that? Well, well, Ken's Ken's chopsticks were right up there uh, with 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 uh, strange demands, Mark. But uh, I'm actually doing a project at the moment. I'm doing it with um, Jasper down at Camden Town. Um, and it's been going through throughout lockdown. They're they're uh, uh, taking what was there. They had a small bar at the the end of the brewing arches in Kentish Town, and um, they've expanded it to another arch. So we're working with uh, Tyth Gundry at uh, Gundry and Ducker Architects, and, and Malcolm Hiles at WHP. And has designed the the most amazing shop front that that I've ever come into contact with we're still building it at the moment so i can't um i can't uh sort of give you any pictures or whatever what it looks like but but if anyone's in kentish down and going to camden town uh probably when the bar opens uh you know next next year or whatever or to go for the brewing experience um the the shop front is amazing and the reason it's amazing it's it's actually made of galvanized steel um it's it's about six meters high it's got full glazing, double glazing within the, the perimeter um, and, you know, galvanised panels and it's got timber in there. And it's just probably one of the most complicated things that I've ever done because, you know, galvanised steel, to get steel galvanised uh, about six metres long, uh, it's sort of twist and bows a little bit. So therefore all the glass has got to be individually uh, individually put together um, and Tyeth's been all over it like a rash. He's been uh, uh, been driving me crazy down there. But it's going to look amazing, and and it's going to create for Jasper a great bar experience. But but more importantly, you can also see the history of the arches through the shop front. Um, and whilst I wouldn't have said it's a crazy wacky request, it's definitely a challenging one. But it it shows the skills of of great architects and designers in that space, and and what their vision can be. And, and how you can deliver it uh, for them, um, you know, I think it's just going to be amazing. And we're definitely going to put that put that forward for a few awards next year when the, the award season starts opening up again. Nice. Hi, Alex from Engage here, and thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week, we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing. And this week's comes from Shri, a head of SEO, who gives his expert insight into dealing with seasonality. As we're all acutely aware. Seasonality is a big part of the hospitality industry. We want to continually attract customers around key events every year. Think Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day and Christmas. Ideally, we want to be found for these terms every year, but we often see that these pages aren't set up correctly. 
The key is to use the same URL every single year and simply update the content. Don't create new pages each time and avoid using the year in your URL. So the URL stock for Valentine's would be Valentine's Day instead of Valentine's Day 2020, to give an example. You should still mention the year in the content title and description to capture those search queries though. If you do need to archive seasonal content, then move the old content to a new URL, Valentine's Day 2019 for example. This will keep the focus on your main page that you want to rank. If you need help getting your brand more visible online and the edge on your competition, simply head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with their own high-performance digital marketing strategies. Cheers, and enjoy the rest of the episode. And then what about the COVID thing, though? So, you know, you've, you've teamed up, I think you've teamed up with Lucid, is that right? To, uh, yeah. you know, sort of look at how the hospitality industry can you know, be a bit safer and all that. So I guess my view on it at the moment is I've just seen like a real mixed bag. So being out and about in Brighton and Hove and the surrounding area, uh, then we were over at Isle of Wight uh, a couple of weeks ago and just looking at it, like it is quite a mismatch of procedures, what's safe, what's not, you know, some of it's like going into one of the scenes of ET with the oxygen tents and all the rest of it. And, <laughs> Some of it is just the same as it ever was and, you know, they don't really, or, you know, they've got, like, the, the perspex behind the bar, but they're sort of peeking around it to talk face-to-face with your customers. You're thinking, what's the point? So, I mean, what what have you seen out there and what were your, your sort of ad, bits of advice and tips? You know, what did you what did you sort of say to people to to be sort of COVID safe? Well, I think, I think firstly, um, you know, we're not... We're not restaurant designers, um, so teaming up with uh, Lucid Simon, who's uh, just just based uh, over in Glasgow, uh, we've done a lot of work with Simon in um, in Glen Eagles, and and he's a great guy, and he's got a, got a great passion for it. And I think it was it, it was a little bit born out of frustration, Mark, if you like. Uh, I went to uh, my favourite restaurant in Canterbury, which. Um, uh, is a it's a very small Italian place, and the the people that own it are phenomenal, and the food is always impeccable. And I went in there, and the the the, the poor guy, you know, who runs it, who owns it, you know, had had adopted the letter of the law from the government in terms of perspex screens. You know, all the staff had perspex visors on, and it really was like eating in an operating theatre, and, and it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. The food was amazing. The service was great, um, but but I think as an as an industry, we're a lot better than that. You know, the the the, the leisure, retail, hospitality in, industries. Th- these are entrepreneurs. These are great people that that know their product, and you know, just putting in a bit of perspex doesn't doesn't create any magic at all it actually creates a sterile environment that will turn people off and as people go out there and uh get involved post lockdown um you know they're going to want that experience back again and they're going to want the magic that 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 sort of comes with it and beyond the sneeze screens was what we talked about was just really something to get the industry talking because i'm sure there are a lot of clients out there thinking how are we going to reopen you know and you know i know some of these great you know great indie brands and also the established corporates that 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 will be thinking a lot deeper than than just putting up a bit of perspex so so we put together the study with simon and it was great to work on with him because he came up with some phenomenal ideas and yes you can have separation you can have spacing you can have uh, some form of protection but it doesn't need to look crass it can be built into an embedded design and it can you know really enhance the experience as opposed to destroy the experience and I'm sure that this industry will um, you know will be focused on how that's applied to their brands they probably won't be using our study but but our study is just put out there as a conversation piece um, it's put out there to say right here's maybe 20 things that you can do that that could actually really help you with a safety conscious consumer when when you return and you reopen we've also looked at the the, the challenges around 
space that 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 social distancing gives to those occupiers and how we can still try and maximize covers still try and improve revenue streams give some alternative revenue streams for the guys um but also maintain that that feel and that 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 magic that that hospitality um you know and leisure and retail all need to to uh, attract attract consumers post post this period of lockdown i don't use the word virus anymore um uh, uh mark I'm, I'm i'm past that i use lockdown uh, but um i get i get very irritated when you know everybody blames everything on 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 that uh, on that virus uh, we're in a new world let's get on let's let you can either sit back and do nothing or you can get out there and start creating some great stuff which uh, which i know the guys will be doing I think that's the thing. I think, you know, you can only control what you can control, you know. Um, and, you know, instead of looking back or, or whinging about it or complaining, you know, it's it, you, you've just got to make a good fist of it. But in saying that, I think there's a lot of people during this have, have done a great thing in terms of controlling what they thought they couldn't control. So people like, you know, Kate Nichols over at UK Hospitality and... Um, you know, Jonathan Downey um, from, from Dynarama, you know, they really, really championed the hospitality industry. And I think actually if they did just control what they can control, then a lot of the compensation packages and things like that might not happen. So um, I might, I might uh, sort of retweak that advice for future because I think, you know, they really put their heads above the parapet. And then just in terms of like the... You know the, the lockdown scenario and all that. Did you see any brands that you were particularly impressed by? You know, in terms of the response and, and specifically the response in interiors as well. Yeah, I, I think it's been it's, it's probably a little bit too early to judge that, uh, Mark. And and you know, going back on my, you know, I totally agree. What Kate Nichols has done for the hospitality industry is 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 amazing and I, and I think the government has reacted with some some great support packages um and you know I think I think the industry as I say it's, it's a phenomenal industry that we work in and uh you know the people that are in it will create something special um you know moving forward to uh, uh to to adapt to it we are you know you're, you're the best set of entrepreneurs in the business um, I think going now, I've, I've not really been out a lot, Mark, uh, post lockdown. I think, I think like everyone, I think I've probably been to about three restaurants since lockdown. Um, I've been out to, uh, you know, the supermarket, um, which was, which was quite a new experience for me, particularly with my, uh, my daughter having given us a great grandchild just before, just at the beginning of lockdown. So I was doing shopping for two households and, you know, not knowing where chipotle paste was kept was was, yeah. a, was a massive struggle for me in the supermarket. I can tell you. Is that where the baby's on, is it? Is it yeah. advanced quite quite heavily around the chipotle? Are they? Yes, <laughs> it was. I, I was just saying. I, I I said to her, I said, surely you've done without chipotle paste for for thirty years, and uh, she said, oh no, it's essential for what we make. So um, so I had to find it, but uh, no, it was good. It was good fun. Uh, so what I have seen is I've seen. I think the supermarkets have done a, a really, a really good job. I think they've been managing this whilst keeping live through through evolving ambiguity, shall we say? And I think I think a lot of the supermarkets have adapted incredibly well um, to to the situation. And I think they're they're doing well. I've not been shopping um, sort of post lockdown in terms of sort of leisure shopping. Would I say? Yeah, you know to. Uh, to that so I, I can't really judge on that and and the the sort of three restaurants that i've eaten in have been um you know been familiar restaurants to me um as i say my favorite one uh you know hasn't adapted that well um but he's a great guy and he will uh, you know i won't name him obviously but he will he will come back and i'll, I'll give him some feedback on how he can do that um but but a couple of the restaurants have been exceptionally well prepared post lockdown and they're they're, they're small independents uh, mark but uh, some of them are blessed with good outdoor spaces so they've been utilizing the outdoor spaces a lot, a lot more um but but also just the organization probably probably the limitation of the amount of people that have been allowed into the facility you know you just felt 
safe, but they still entertained you with, um, you know, with good food, great service, and um, you know, and that that magic of of eating out, which we, you know, a lot of us have, have forgotten those small details of experience that um you know that do encourage us to get out in the first place no i, I, I think you're absolutely right and then just in terms of your business then i mean i've seen it definitely get quieter um since uh, since march i think a lot of brands at the moment don't need uh you know scottish beardy guys doing the strategy advice <laughs> they're just trying to reopen and survive and, and all that i mean what did you see i mean did, did it go quiet or were people, you know, were you getting into the expensive business of Perspex money trading or uh, what, what was happening there? Yeah, I, th- I think the, um, I, I used a phrase, I think it was beware the Ides of March. Uh, I think it was the 13th of March where it really uh, sort of kicked in. I know that was a Sunday, but on a Monday, I think that's when, um, you know, Boris sort of closed the restaurant industry uh, basically overnight. Um and I think on the 17th of March, we had, uh, you know, our order book was was decimated. Uh, I think there was 50% of the confirmed orders were cancelled overnight. Um, you know, our, uh, you know, we still, fortunately, we still retain profitability for the year and, and good cash, et cetera. But our... Um, our impacts were, were as a direct result of the, the restrictions on the hospitality trade. And then as you get into that, you think, well, okay, it's really, really tough for these, uh, for these companies. And, you know, are they, are they actually going to be thinking about building new restaurants now? You know, what's the, what's the impact of that? And and how does it, how does it uh, attack you? So we had some, some pretty dark days thinking, thinking about those scenarios, Mark, but Throughout it all, we've we've continued to trade, <clears throat> and um, I think there was so much ambiguity from the government um, regarding construction. So, so they never declared a force majeure situation, which meant if you had contractual obligations to fulfil a contract, we had no get-out clause uh, to stop working. So, with some of our clients, where we had longer term contracts in place um sort of like we're building a hampton by hilton hotel in black blackburn at the moment we're building uh say jasper's new bar in camden um and you know those product projects still had to go on so we had this bizarre scenario where we'd had a lot of cancelled orders uh, but we had a lot of clients that still wanted us to build and then people like travis perkins and british gypsum stopped supplying materials Um, and you know, then police were questioning the construction workers going to site and, uh, you know, and there was a whole, whole period there of, of uncertainty and ambiguity that we tried to navigate and we did it. I think, I think we did it. I think we did it pretty well. I think, you know, none of our clients have, um, you know, have seen any, any, any drop in service levels. I don't believe, yes, we've had a, a few issues where we've, collaboratively worked with them uh, on on solutions because of uh, the lockdown and the restrictions that it brought on it. Um, but we've, we've managed to continue to trade probably at about 50% of our, our historic levels. And actually in July and August, we are beginning to return. There's a pent-up demand uh, post-lockdown mark of, of clients that want stuff doing. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff for Roses at the moment in London. I'm sure they won't mind mentioning that. They're spending a lot of uh, a lot of the time to to refresh their restaurants and make them uh, ready for full opening in the in the future. Uh, and that's been really really welcomed. Uh, and we've done a lot of work with um, uh, we do a lot of work with Euro garages who have again continued to to maximise on the period of. Uh, of a lull in trade to to improve their facilities and improve their outlook. So, so overall, we've you know we've we've not we've not been as hard hit as most of the businesses in the sector. Um, and I think that's that's because of our you know great diversity in client base and um, um, you know the amount of clients that we've got uh, within our business. So um, you know we're really blessed for that and very thankful. Um, to those those businesses that kept us going. That's good to hear. I mean, I think 
it's one of those things. I remember a while ago, there was a bit of a kind of housing shutdown and I was talking to one of the guys on site. We, we lived in a kind of new property development. And uh, I remember the guy saying, well, it trickles all the way down to the guy that fits the light bulbs and the, the houses and the ovens. And you know, like, oh, yeah, so, you know, once you understand, you know, how wide this uh, economy can, you know, just affect everyone, you know, hopefully it's, it's going to bounce back sort of post-September. Um, you know, hopefully with the schools going back and stuff, there might be an, an attempt at some kind of normality. So we'll just need to wait and see how it goes. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bar's business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. And then what are you thinking about the, the next few months and then, you know, the future beyond that, you know, from where you're sitting? Because, you know, you, you are a big part of the hospitality industry and the leisure industry and the retail industry. You know, what, what are you seeing? You know, what are you modelling towards when you're thinking about your business and, and what's your hopes for the industry? Yeah, we the timing for us in terms of our financial periods. I mean, we've got we've got private investor owners, uh, Mark. So uh, we've been really disciplined about how we've um, approached the the situation as well in terms of looking after cash. And I, I think I think one of the things that we did early on in the lockdown process, which hopefully will stand us in good stead, was you know we approached all of our restaurant clients that that owed us money. And we said, look, guys, we, we understand what you're going through. You know, you are going through a really, really tough time. We're not going to take any action on any outstanding invoices. Just, just approach us. We'll give you a 12-month payment plan, interest-free, no penalties. And so I, I hope we did some, some good things during lockdown that will build us some brand loyalty when we, when we come out of it. Because, you know, I, I was that's probably one of my... My, my best achievements i think during during the lockdown period was was helping our clients get through it as well so so i'm pleased for contributing in a little way i've modeled next year uh, mark on about half of uh, about 50 percent of where we were the year before yeah. um I, and, and i've got some you know so i've got some great great investors that have been been really good to be able to bounce off um, they, you know, they're involved in restaurant industries as well, so they know know the challenges that are faced there. So I think having a realistic budget for people to aim at um, is is a very rewarding thing for every individual that's involved in it. So let's say our expectations are very very low, um, but actually the reality of what we're experiencing at the moment in July and August with that pent up demand is actually exceeding our expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that that continues, you know, through, throughout the year, because if it does continue, we'll be in a, we'll be in a good space. Yeah. And what, what I would, what I would say for people out there, you know, particularly operators, um, we, we opened a new outlet for a brand. I, I won't, won't mention the brand's name, uh, but it was a, it was a bit of a drive through concept and they opened last week, uh, and they actually took fourteen thousand pounds on the first day of trading. Um, so there is demand out there. If people reinvent their space, and if they've got enough capital to be able to focus on a few sites and getting them, you know, in a really appealing way, 
the consumers that that recognize what those brands are doing will flock to them i'm sure and and it will be worth their while reopening um you know i don't think it's definitely not a blanket reopening of estates i think it is a a gradual piece uh, you know as people are weaned off a of furlough um in terms of the the, the bills that the, the the operators have got to pay and, and I think every site is a balance as to, to its profitability as to when it reopens, how it reopens and, uh, and, and all the considerations that go with the, the locality around it. So it's a tough time, but I'm, you know, I'm very, very confident. I'm confident in this industry, you know, as you've mentioned before, and, and hopefully I reiterated, Mark, you know, hospitality, retail and leisure have got some of the greatest entrepreneurs in the world uh, within them. And we're blessed by that. They will find a way forward. They will find a way to adapt to these circumstances and, and they will continue to, to deliver great experiences. Um, but it will need a little bit, of, little bit of thought and a little bit of uh, uh, change uh, for them to, to do so. And then just a couple of things before we go into some more fun questions. Um, you know, what's your thinking or, or your tips for people in the coming months to... So you know, get across the reassurance for customers and the reassurance for teams, you know, and how you know what could people do from a interiors perspective, uh, you know, just just to show that for for the short term. Yeah, I think I think if the um, you know we we've put about twenty tips on our website, um, Mark, and so if people go to uh, Thompson's Limited. All, all one word dot co dot uk uh, there's some great tips out there they're really only conversation starters and they're really trying you know things like copper tabletops which you know are really good from a bacterial perspective um yeah some visual things around toilet indicator lights and things like that um but the most important thing in my my opinion and the most important thing that that people are going to rely on it is trust and i think that that, that trust needs to be delivered throughout the people that represent your brand. So we can do, you know, we can do some great things on the interiors in terms of the physical environment, um, but your front of house people uh, and your back of house people have really got to live the, the brand of the operator. They've really got to represent uh, what that business uh, means, but also to demonstrate to the public that, that you know it is a new world it's a new safety conscious consumer and they're actually inducting the the guests into that new experience in a way that is not frightening it's it's very comforting um you know these are the precautions if you want to know more i can let you know more um and you know i think it's definitely the people that are going to create the the comfort to go back and also the enjoyment that goes with that hospitality magic um, when when people get inside the the, the, the venues. And so I saw a great one the other day, you know, just building on what you're saying there. And I was down at Hove Beach um, and there's some beach shacks that are selling stuff. And there's a new concept kind of opened there. And we were on the beach and we were having well, essentially a picnic with some, you know, socially distanced friends. Yeah. But the people from the venue, Rockwater it's called, came over and they said, can we take any of your empties away or your rubbish? We were like, ah, oh, well, this is our stuff. You know, we haven't bought it from, oh, no, it doesn't matter. No, no, we're just trying to, you know, keep everyone safe and keep the beach clean. And it was wow. like, wow. Like, just that, it's the tiniest thing, but it's I, the biggest thing. I mean, that'll stay with me forever. I think there there is a great book out there, um, which I can't recommend highly enough, Mark. It's it's mm. by a guy called Mark Sanborn, and it's called mm. The Fred Factor. Uh, I don't know if you've come across it, what? but the the Fred Factor is it's probably I'd say it's an hour read. It, it's not uh, you know it's not overly uh, taxing, but it's just about it's all about this postman in America and uh, um, you know and how he does his job in an extraordinary way. And, and I think that that is what people have got to get into whoever represents them and represents their brand is that you've got to go that extra mile and do things that, 
you know, it may not necessarily be in your job description, but it actually shows people that you care. You care about them. You care about their enjoyment. Um, and, you know, and, and you're representing their brand in the, in the best possible way. And everybody can do it. It doesn't, doesn't cost any money at all. It's, it's just the way that, you know, the people act and behave that, that is going to be the key for, for, for the winners of the, the post-lockdown era. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, well, just before I let you go, there was just some fun questions to go through. And just at the end of every episode, we go through these fun questions and sort of loosely called it Mark Out of Ten. I don't think it's ever became a <laughs> trademark, but anyway, um, that's that. But yeah, so best city to eat in? Oh dear. I, I, I think, I think, as I say, with all of these questions, I'm trying to be, I'm going off a bit like Ronnie Corbett here, but but I think that, that, that narrowing this down to one is a real challenge. And I've heard other people falter at this. Um, I, 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 because it's different circumstances, isn't it, Mark? I yeah. mean, I, I, I live in Canterbury and I love Canterbury and the surrounding areas for their variety of uh you know of different food and i still still enjoy it i've got a i've got a holiday home in in a in spain in a place called javier which i really really enjoy um but for me actually i enjoy madrid enjoy london obviously um but for me and it's quite a bizarre one it's actually las vegas um that's where i get married yeah i (laughs) i I love i love vegas i I absolutely <laughs> Absolutely love it, and I, I think that you know the 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 quality of restaurants that are, are in and around Vegas is just to bring assemble all those in one small strip of of land is just amazing, and I think the convenience of being able to go and eat at Wolfgang Pucks or uh, uh, the Fix in the Bellagio or, or whatever is just you just spoil as a consumer out there to actually, uh, you know, get involved. I think, I think that, you know, Vegas, I think has got some of the best cleanliness as well, you know, l- locked in with that. Some of the greatest interiors in terms of architecture, uh, but the, 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 the range of food that is available there is, 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 is just phenomenal. So uh, I think for convenience all in one place, even though it's an 11 hour flight away, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Vegas. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Me and my wife are talking the other day, like, you know, will we ever go back? You know, will we ever get back? I mean, hopefully we will. But, um, yeah, it just it's just a fun... It's a bit marmite, you know. A lot of folk just think it's crass and cheesy and whatever, but I love it. I've been, you know, about, what, three times now. Um, and, yeah, just love every second of it. It's... Uh, yeah, I, 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 go t- I go twice a year, actually. Um, uh, and, and that's that's not that's not because I'm I'm you know I'm addicted to anything, but um, you know it's sort of grown up on the on me. For I do play poker, um, okay. so I go out to to play in the Poker World Championships over there, uh, which were oh. due to be held in July. Um, and uh, you know, and I really enjoy that. That's my escapism from 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 business. Um, but that's where I've got so so twice a year for the last ten years. Um, you know, I've experienced some great food. So, and Vegas is exactly what it says in the on the tin. You know, you come here, you want to have some fun, you want to have a good uh, you know good night out. But I I enjoy the restaurants and I love the shows uh, that go on there. Um, and uh, you know, I just I, I just it's just a great escape for for me and uh uh you know me and my friends and that sort of thing we just have a have a good laugh well we need to do another podcast about vegas yeah no, let's do I, that I could, I could do that so easily i'd love to do that uh, well we have to do it in vegas obviously as well so yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's got to be there <laughs> um and uh, yeah and what about your best restaurant then is it in vegas or is it a bit closer to home um i i, I again i i've got I've I've got some very familiar restaurants that I really like that that are are quite local to us. But um, you know, there's a couple in London that that really stand out for me. Um, and I, I I really like Bob Bob Rickard, uh, which yeah. is just yeah, which is which is a great sort of. I, I suppose it's more of a Russian theme, isn't it, Mark? Have you been there? I, yeah, I, I don't know what I would peg it as. I mean, it's it's kind of very. Um... I mean, is it Art Deco-y sort of, uh, you know, 
it's, it's a great it, it, it is it yeah. is a bit art decoy, and, and I think some of the things there that they've done in terms of the theatre of the restaurant are great. I love that there's a, a button you can push for champagne on your table, yeah. which uh, uh, you know, which is a bit it's a, it's a bit crass, but actually, it, it's good fun when you're having a uh, having a having a few drinks. I think the service is great. I think the you know down in the in the basement they've turned a you know what could have been quite a dour basement area into a really quality, interesting interior. Uh, down there and and also it does house my best dish as well which is the which is the next question and part of why I enjoy that uh, but I've had some great times there with um, we, we go up there as, as, a, as a family to sort of celebrate some birthdays and things like that and it's um, you know it's a really really cool cool little restaurant uh, in, a, in a great location yeah so what it's saying here I've just done a bit of fact checking so it says uniforms uniformed staff serve Russian inspired modern british menu and cocktails in a cool art deco surrounds uh, we got it we got it. we got a bit of art deco in there then we yeah. got the russian bit in there so yeah. it's all good there you go um and, and what is the dish <laughs> oh dear it's the beef wellington uh, and the 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 bob bob Ricard beef wellington is is just a sight and if you've got the website up ha- have a look at it they they create this beef wellington in a Ah, oh, it, it's just it's it's just done phenomenally well, and the way that they serve it at the table and they slice it for you, and they leave you, you know, they leave you the ends there just to tempt you if you're being a bit of bit of a porker and uh, <laughs> you know, eating some more. So, you know, I have my little slice, and then you know, I'm normally the normally the the slowest eater, but I always get the the the, the end bit as well. Yeah. And, and it's just the way that they, uh, you know, certain restaurants I think do certain dishes exceptionally well and and uh, that's the best interpretation of beef wellington that i've ever uh, i've ever come across uh, and mixed with some nice um, some nice vodkas as well um you know it's, it's phenomenal nice and do you have a best pub and bar i i, I i've got uh, i've got quite quite a quite a few i think i think i, I like uh, again going back to london i, I think the radio bar uh, which is above stk yeah. Um, which, which overlooks the uh, you know overlooks uh, Aldwych and uh, and that I think that's a great space too. Um, it's probably got one of the best outdoor areas in London as well up on the top there. It's got it's always got a, a really good vibe. Um, it's it's got some creative uh, drinks in there and uh, uh, you know and also the the atmosphere is is generally really really relaxed and quite cool and uh, uh, you know particularly. Um, you know, about sort of half twelve or one in the morning or whatever. It's just such a delightful space to be, looking out over the city and uh, and enjoying it. So that's that's probably my best bar. It's it's not actually, yeah, not actually a pub, but uh, you know, it's a, it's it's probably my favourite bar. And best drink, uh, the old fashioned, the old fashioned done really really well with uh, with the uh, with a nice bit of orange zest peel in there and uh, and generally sort of sipping it on the top of that rooftop bar in uh, in radio is uh, you know is one of the is one of the best drinks for me. Very nice. Okay, well I better let you go and get some fresh air and cool down a bit. And uh, it's just been a real pleasure to, to to chat to you. I'm so glad that Elizabeth introduced us. Um, you know, I've just really enjoyed talking to you, and I think you know I'm glad we've talked about this because. As I say, I think it's undervalued, underappreciated, and I guess underutilized and under scrutinized, you know, from from people that actually own brands. You know, they should get a lot more involved with this side of things because as you're putting stuff together and you're bringing things to life, I think, you know, having someone from the business with that creative eye could just give it that extra 5%, um, you know, which makes a difference between up and finished and, and 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 up and glorious you know so it's um it's definitely something to pay attention to i would say absolutely absolutely and there's a lot of as you say a lot of people out there that do that do get that but but as you say probably probably less than there could be it's just one of those things that you know um as as brands evolve um that um, you know you get a little bit more distance from it but keep in touch with it because it's uh you know it's a great great experience and we have a, you know we have a bit of enjoyment while we're doing it and we love doing it and hopefully that that passion came across that that we really enjoy working with the the, the hospitality brands retail brands and leisure brands they are 
yeah, the, the best entrepreneurs in the world. And uh, uh, I wish them every success in, in, in reopening. Yeah, and we all wish you well too. I hope that we cross paths at some point as well in, in real life. And um, yeah, just good luck to you. I'm, I'm sure, you know, the great brands, no matter the sector, will, will keep going. So I'm sure you'll be on for more than half next year, Touchwood, um, and then building towards that 2023, as everyone's talking about, where we'll be at 2019 beating uh, income. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Fantastic. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Keep up the good work and uh, um, you've really enjoyed talking to you, mate. Great. Take it easy and congratulations on being a granddad again. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Look forward to that, Mark. Superb to speak to Darren and it was great to hear from a real unsung hero of the industry who makes it his business to create the spaces we need to welcome our customers, trade well and reinforce our brand values to our guests time and time again. Thanks to you for listening. We're seeing a real increase in listens and downloads. So please keep sharing, subscribing, rating and reviewing and keep those posts coming in through Instagram and LinkedIn and email and all these things. I really love hearing from you. So thanks to everyone who's taken the time to write to me every single week. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby for putting the podcast together as ever. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. And I hope that this episode gave you some real value to help your brand boom. Hold up. 